I'm Dr. Anthony Smith of Alashe Center for Enrichment, and welcome to Black Folks Do Therapy, where we endeavor to challenge you to think critically about your mental health and overall wellness. Our goal is to inspire you to align your actions and values so that you might live your life fully 86,400 seconds every single day. We do this in part by asking questions and raising issues that you may not have previously considered. Ultimately, we encourage you to do those things that help you to live your best life consistently, always working towards balance. Today, we are coming from sunny Harare, Zimbabwe, where we will be interviewing Miss Deborah Machando, who is a psychologist here in Harare, Zimbabwe. So thank you for joining us, and we're going to jump in and um, ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this wonderful field of psychology. Thank you. Thank you for talking to me. So I started out as a counselor, mm -hmm. and I noticed that there were some things that we could not handle. Um, for example, we had one young man come in, shake with tremors, and I didn't quite know how to to help him, he was okay. doing drugs. Oh. So I decided to get trained so that I can do a little bit more in mental health. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, okay, great. So what did that training consist of? So I started, um, I have a first degree in psychology and then a clinical, a master's in clinical psychology. Okay. I've also had extra training um, in eye movement desensitization sure. processing. Yes, yes, yes. And I had a chance to attend training at the Bank Institute. Ah. To do CBT. Very good, very good. So you have a pretty broad range of training there that you incorporated into what you do. Um, how does that manifest on a day-to-day -day basis? What types of cases are you seeing and what types of things do you like working with and utilizing the things that you've learned? So part of, um, of what I've also done is Systemic family therapy. Okay. Yeah. So those three. Um, what it looks like in Zimbabwe, because we don't have many psychologists, mm -hmm. so we don't have the luxury to specialize. Uh -huh. So we sort of see a broad range of clients. Mm -hmm. So whatever um, comes in the door, you. Comes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Slowly, slowly, because I'm completing my PhD on neuropsychological assessments. Uh -huh for patients with head injury. Oh wow. I am slowly moving towards that. Okay. But I've been doing I've also done a lot of research in depression. Um so I see a lot of patients with depression and post traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. I also well, when we were training we didn't know that in Zimbabwe we thought you know some conditions are western. Things like anxiety, mm -hmm. so we didn't think that an African can have a panic attack. Right. But lately I've been seeing a lot of patients with anxiety disorders. Mm -hmm. Some of them stemming from their childhood experiences. There was one day where I saw four women in their 40s, um, all of them having gone through child sexual abuse oh, wow. and then it begins to manifest as 
problems with drink at work. Mm-hmm. All of them never married, no stable relationship. That's that's so yeah. Yeah, that's something that we see a lot uh, in the States as well. I've often said that um, probably 70% of the women that come through my practice have at some point in their life been touched by some form of sexual abuse or sexual trauma. So it's not surprising that you, that, that would be an issue here. I think in our patriarchal society that it is probably something that is in evidence around the world. Um, so how do you work with that when you see people who are dealing with that, particularly in this culture? So I find that um, my training with um, the family therapy mm-hmm. is very handy. Okay. That you can deal with the client, you can deal with the individual client and also with family issues where we might need to rope in the family members mm-hmm. or even deal with them even when they're not physically present in therapy. Right, right. And what I've found very useful for these conditions in particular is the eye movement. I when I speak to my clients I say to them it works like magic. Because mm-hmm. i I find it very fascinating how they you know their script is almost similar. Mm-hmm. How they use similar words to describe their experiences. Right. And how you see them evolve from a helpless, hopeless, worthless person to become to realize themselves, mm-hmm. to regain their esteem, to reclaim. I find it very fascinating how 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 the involvement takes place. Right. So they were broken as a child or, or whatever point that the abuse or the molestation first occurred mm-hmm. and they've carried that all these years mm-hmm. and now you're helping them to mm-hmm. um, process that and work through it in a way that they can leave it in the past and actually move forward in a healthy forward. manner. Yes. And part of what I use is resource mobilization. I notice that a lot of our people, as they grow up, they, the, the, the culture that we grow in is not to encourage a person. It's, it's not very encouraging. It doesn't build your esteem. Uh-huh. If anything, um, our elders, our parents are quick to highlight all the negative things that the are faults. happening. Mm-hmm. And they are very reserved in giving you positive feedback. So when you combine that background and the negative life events, you've got a completely broken person. Mm -hmm. What I've found very useful is to help them find themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because the the ladies that I worked with um, on that particular day, these are highly functional people. Mm -hmm. They've got jobs. They have, some of them have managed to buy an apartment for themselves. They are doing well, sure. but they don't realize that. Mm-hmm. So I work with them. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a process called resource mobilization, mm-hmm. where you want the person to identify what's, what, what they have, what resources they have, personal resources and different resources around, around them. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I'll ask them to do is to identify any positive things, any accomplishments that they have made, any positive things that people say about them, um, any qualities that they have, so that they can come up with affirmations. And I like these affirmations to not be something that somebody sees online or some, something that I give to them. Sure. I like them to develop them for themselves. Mm. So like this young man says, um, 
Well, in usual, when you, uh, when you talk to people, they don't think that there's anything positive going on in their lives. Mm -hmm. So this young man says, um, you know, I, say, I encourage them to go back, even in nursery school, what can you see? Tell right. me about it. Yeah. So he says, um, during a play, he played Joseph mm -hmm. during the Christmas. Sure. You know. So sure. I said to him, what does it mean to you to play Joseph in nursery school to be the main actor in right. the play? When every other child is screaming to their mother's kept crying, right. you are main actor. What does it mean about you? So you see people lighting up, mm -hmm. realizing slowly, slowly, um, the value that they, they have in themselves, mm -hmm. what the qualities that they have. Mm -hmm. And so then use those okay. to, to build them up mm -hmm. and to help them deal with whatever challenges they are facing. Okay. So you tap into experiences in their life and help them to turn those, well, they, you, they don't turn them into positive, they're already positive, but you help them realize the benefit of those positive experiences. Mm -hmm. And then with the affirmations, they are reaffirming presently. And that is, as I like to say, replacing the old tape mm -hmm. with the new tape yes. that runs and then allows them to be in a better space, mm -hmm. you know, overcoming some of those negative obstacles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how you would describe that. Yes. Very good. Okay. That sounds very positive. Yes. Yes, I like that. The experience is very enriching. When you see, I notice that when clients come in, uh, you can actually tell from their dress, from the outlook, uh, the way they present themselves, how broken they are. Mm -hmm. And as the sessions progress, you see them. I like to call it evolving. Sure. I remember this um, uh, one client coming in, um, very tearful throughout the sessions. Mm -hmm. And gradually, in this particular day, she walked in, she was wearing orange makeup. On. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, what's happening? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can tell immediately that she is evolving. Mm -hmm. So I find this way very fulfilling in that, seeing a person transform. Okay. Yeah. How long does it normally take, the, on average, before you begin to see some progress? It varies. For some people, it's, it's, I guess it's, um, different people respond differently to to, to therapy. For some people, it takes a while. We normally recommend a minimum of six sessions. Mm -hmm. But I've seen when you are doing the reprocessing with the eye movement, mm -hmm. um, some people will immediately, like on the first session, begin to give you positive feedback. Mm -hmm. Like immediately. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. But for some people, it takes, uh, it takes a while. It also depends on what's happening in their current lives. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes the person might still have problems that are still that are still going on. Right. Even though they are still trying to work on mm -hmm. other issues. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Can you say more about the eye desensitization process mm -hmm. and uh, what that looks like and how that how that unfolds? Mm -hmm. So what it involves is when a person experiences negative life events, mm -hmm. um, usually if that uh, event or memory is not properly processed, it gets pegged in the brain mm -hmm. uh, together with the emotions and sensations and thoughts that, that go with it. 
So if say someone, I'll give you an example of um, say someone um, uh, got sexually abused. So that is captured in their brain. The, the experiences, the smells, maybe the sweat, mm -hmm. uh, the emotions, the thoughts. Uh, usually, I notice over the years that people who are sexually abused, they feel like trash. So they've got different ways of describing themselves. Sure. Yes. Um, so what you want to do? And they don't even recognize that they're doing that, right? No, they don't. Right. Okay. And then they tend to interpret everything else that goes on with that. With that lens. Yes. yes. When I explain that to the patient, I say to them, it's as if you've got a brush that you use to paint your life mm -hmm. and it was dipped in black paint. Mm -hmm. We need to clean the black paint. Sure. Because now no matter what colorful uh, paint you have, once you, as long as you are using a black a brush that's been dipped in black paint, mm -hmm. it's going to taint everything sure. that you so that they understand why they interpret certain actions, certain events the way they do. Okay. So I tell them we want to clean the brush. Mm -hmm. And I always give an example of uh, you know how in the movies when someone has been in battle and when they come back home, if they hear a bang, they might mistake it for for yeah. For, for gunshot. For gunshot. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's how I explain mm -hmm. to them. And then so we go so you want to make the person relaxed. Um, so there are exercises that we do to stabilize the patient. Mm -hmm. So that when we bring up when we are now reprocessing the negative life events, they are stable enough to be able to handle both the negative and um, the negative in their relaxed mode. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do, and then we go through the script. And I, I, I noticed how I notice how the script gradually changes. From I am worthless, I'm hopeless, I'm dirty, I feel like a, uh, I'm like a stained cow, and everywhere I go, people notice um, how I am. Mm -hmm. To no, I can still up to this. I can do this. I've actually done it. No, I'm not trash. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not my problem. It was his problem. Right. So you see them right. moving like that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's why I call it magic. Because for some reason, the script is almost the same. You actually see people uh, writing that script. Different words, but very similar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when they are coming up with their own script, their own affirmations, they are in, it's coming from an internal place. So they're more likely to hold on to that. Yeah and really make the change as opposed to somebody giving them externally um, the script and it's coming from outside of them. So you're actually empowering them to take charge of their own life as well. That's right. Okay. And empowering them through the resources that they already have. Mm -hmm. So I'm like just illuminating them, helping them to see what they already have. Okay. Yeah, bringing out their own inner strength. Very, very good. So in this culture, how is therapy and even you talked about so the difference between affirmation versus parents giving a lot of harsh lessons and, and negativity how does that juxtapose against somebody actually coming into therapy and doing this type of work what is it how is it perceived in the culture um, I see that people are 
becoming a lot more enlightened. I see parents bringing their children, I see uh, women walking in for themselves, mm. I see men even coming. Okay. Men are, men are the hardest, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> I see them coming in just, you know, expressing that they need help. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's uh, pressure at work, sometimes it's problems at home, or problems in the business field. Um, so I see that people are becoming a lot more enlightened. And more and more now we have um, workplace uh, clients. We have organizations paying for their clients. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. In the past, we thought that people would not understand and that people would not, uh, like you mentioned, the patriarchal culture. But um, I think things are changing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm, that's good. And are there things that are pushing that change here in Zimbabwe in particular? Or do you think it's just a natural evolution? I think um, social media, maybe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People are getting more exposed to these problems and getting to know that these are things that can actually be worked out. Mm -hmm. yeah. We've had um, recently we had two suicides. One of them was really, actually two of them were really bad in town. We mm -hmm. had someone threw themselves from the fourth floor, I think, um, onto the onto the pavement. Yes. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks later, another person did the same. These young people? So the first one was a pastor of some church. Oh wow. Yeah, that's that's what made it so Yeah. Yeah. Um so immediately after we've been receiving calls from different organizations. Mm -hmm. I had to facilitate I facilitated it one session where pastors just uh, mobilized themselves together mm -hmm. and had uh, two or three days of mental health. Um, then there's also, we are also doing a lot of awareness for mental health, mm -hmm. uh, giving lessons, mobilizing people, training them on the basics so that they can identify. Mm -hmm. And then also um, sharing with them the help uh, channels available mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for me to Okay. Yeah. Wow. So the tragedies are pushing, are, are making things, um, yeah. bringing things more to light, yeah. pushing it forward. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, are the churches receptive uh, the churches to mental health? The churches are very, very, very receptive. Has that always been the case here? Um, interestingly, we've got different uh, approaches or different beliefs on mental health. Mm -hmm. So we've got some churches where people believe these are demons and they should right. be cast out. Sure. We mm -hmm. actually have challenges in hospitals where uh, sometimes people deteriorate seeking help in those in faith-based organizations mm -hmm. and getting proper mental health mm -hmm. because of those beliefs. So what we've done uh, from the medical side, we've said you bring in your faith, we bring in our medication, let's mm -hmm. work together. Okay. So that's, yeah. So we've got those churches who will, I, I think slowly people are also appreciating and coming together to get. Good, 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 good. Yeah, that, that has been a challenge, you know, in, in the United States as well, 
Um, and I think that gradually people are starting to accept that you can have both, that you don't have to say, well, we just leave it all up to God, or that you just eliminate God from it altogether. You can, you can have both of them because mm-hmm. faith without works, right? Yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. Yeah. I've, um, I've always argued to say, if you break a leg, you don't leave everything to work. This is correct. Yeah. That's right. But if you break a heart, that's when you want to leave it to work. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's a good way of putting that. I might, I might steal that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, okay, so growing up, did you always know you were going to be a psychologist? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not even. I don't, I don't even remember knowing that profession when I grew up. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something that came along is I was doing family therapy, that's when I learned that there is more that I could do. Mm-hmm. And I started training towards that. How did you even get into family therapy? So I started out as a high school teacher. Okay. And I was heading the guidance and counseling department, mm-hmm. teaching children life skills and stuff. I like I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Then we started training people so I then had to be trained. Um, in that, okay. for me to to be able to handle more issues and to yeah. So from there, that's when okay. I noticed the gaps mm-hmm. and decided to advance my my knowledge okay. so that I'd be better able to handle these issues. Yeah. Okay. Now, are there many psychologists here? You have many colleagues? Um. Yes and no. We. We have about slightly more than 200 psychologists, including educational psychologists, community psychologists, and then organizational. So okay. clinical psychologists are about 30. We don't have many. Unfortunately, none of our universities are training in clinical psychology at the moment. Mm-hmm. We are actually working towards um, uh, restarting the program. Mm-hmm. Because it closed down when, um, when the regulatory board um, put up some requirements, mm-hmm. and we didn't have enough people who are trained to be able to train other clinical psychologists. Okay. Yeah, but I think now things have moved. Things have changed a lot. We now have a lot of, well, not a lot, but a number of people with PhDs. Um, so we can now start the master's program in clinical psychology. Okay. We are actually working towards starting that as soon as we, as we get to go ahead from the university. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned neuropsychology. Um, what sparked your interest in that? Uh, so my interest was that it's, it's a fairly new field. In Zimbabwe, when I started, we didn't have even one single neuropsychologist. Mm. But you come across these problems where people want, who actually we had one old white lady who retired and she moved away. Mm-hmm. So during my training, during my internship for masters, I I was attached there for some time. Mm-hmm. Was fascinated with the tests that that um, she was administering. That's that's what brought up my interest. Especially the knowledge that we don't have that in Zimbabwe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. But now it. we have a few people coming in, mm-hmm. and we are trying to 
start clinical neuropsychology, maybe not so not 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 in the near well, we are still working on it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's an intense field and there's a lot the brain is amazing. Always it is the mind that makes the body. Mm-hmm. And so the things that the brain is capable of, memory functioning, executive functioning, um, there's there's a lot to uncover there. So I think that'll be a, a field that you'll find you'll never be bored, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well good. Well this has been quite enlightening to get your perspective of psychology and mental health here in Harare, Zimbabwe. I don't know if it's important to talk about research. Sure, yeah, tell me about um, your thoughts on research. Um, so is, I, I think one of the things that is fair that mental health in Zimbabwe is our involvement in research. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with the French bench, which is like gone viral. Oh no, tell me about that. So basically it's, um, it's an intervention for common mental disorders, which is delivered by lay health workers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a task shifting project that was put in place after, um, I think we had some national challenges where people's houses were destroyed and um, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and I guess the challenges that we've been facing as a country mm-hmm. so at least uh, people have been trained on basic problem solving therapy based okay. on the CBT mm-hmm. uh, to at least identify and do like first aid so these are old ladies who sit on benches and they help the community that way actually been found to be very effective and it's been upscaled. So I noticed that being involved in research as a mental health professional, um, it helps the community, it helps practice, and it has helped bring mental health out there mm-hmm. to make it more accessible to, to the community. Okay, and it's called French French Bench. French Bench, yes. okay. That sounds... We don't call it that. We have some, some things that are kind of similar to that, and that they're community-based, uh, emancipation circles and things of that nature. Um, but I like that. So the challenges that you face as a community um, that everybody is dealing with, right? Some of the challenges with the government, some of the challenges with the money, um, and, and the uh, people having to make an adjustment to their salaries being different than what it was just a year ago. Um, that can cause a lot of stress for somebody, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, and recently the cyclone. Ah, yes, yeah. yes. So it has caused a lot of stress, uh, but it has also highlighted the need for mental health services mm-hmm. and also capacity building because we've had uh, several trainings and people getting involved in the, in the community to deal with those problems. Yeah. So it has sort of um, brought psychology or mental health issues mm-hmm. to um, to the mainstream, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that is so it's been good and bad. Yes. Right? It's been yes. very helpful for the profession. Mm-hmm. It has helped the profession to grow. Right. Yeah. yeah. Despite the difficulties of dealing with the, the tragedies or the, or the stressors of, of managing those various situations. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay, well, good. I'm glad that there are some things that are in place to help people because you, you know, you can be in the states. We might hear about it, but we don't know about it until you know being here and, and you know interacting with people and talking to them about the challenges. It paints a different light. So I'm glad to be able to um, know that you all are doing things to help uh, folks to manage um, dealing with these various things that are popping up for them. So. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I'm doing uh, on neuropsychology is that um, you notice that um, no instruments have been developed in, in this part of the, of the world. Right. So I am validating the neurocognitive instrument mm. um, so that we can start having, start conducting uh, neuropsychological tests using instruments that have been validated. For you, right, which is very important because not everything works for everybody, and we still we have problems with that, you know, uh, even within the United States because there are different in group differences that a lot of times people don't consider. They just think if I do research on white men, that it should apply to everybody, and that's not the case by a long stretch of the imagination. So certainly there are cultural things because you're dealing with different challenges that mm -hmm. someone else might not be dealing with. So coping mechanisms and the way you perceive it, the way you go about dealing with it are going to be quite different. Mm -hmm. um, so it is important to do that research and get it validated within population and then be able to say, this will work for us. Good. I mean, it sounds like you're doing a lot of different things, and so... I'm doing a lot of different things, but it's exciting things. Yes, it's yeah. keeping you busy. It's keeping me busy. Yeah. It's a lot of exciting things. Yeah, and I would say the psychologists, we've really made a huge contribution. Now we are working with the ministry. We've actually finished um, um, analyzing data mm -hmm. on the cyclone in time that that, that, that happened. Right. And we've written a policy brief for the ministry. Okay. So I'm really excited about the work that we're doing as psychologists and as mental health professionals. Good. Good. Well, keep up the good work. I, I, I hope to be hearing some wonderful things uh, from you moving forward. And uh, groundbreaking research, you know, at, at various conferences, and maybe come to the, to the states even and do some presentations. Well, I'm coming. I'm coming to this. I'm coming to the states in February. Okay. To the International Neuropsychological Society conference. Oh. Okay. I'm going to present my research. Okay. I got a travel grant to come to the presentation. Okay, great. So I'm excited. Good. Well, we'll see you there then. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we've had a wonderful time here in Zimbabwe talking with Miss Deborah Machando and hearing about her practice and all the wonderful things she's doing to help the community and showing you that there are black folk doing psychology here in Zimbabwe as well. So thank you again for joining us and listening to our conversation. Um, how can people reach you if, if they want to reach out and uh, Touch base with you. Do you have uh, email, Twitter, uh, Facebook, or, or websites that people can contact you on? So we've got a website. Um, it's called Silver Spring. Um, 
Silver Spring? Yes, mm -hmm. that's the name of our practice. Okay. But um, I can also be reached on email, double D Machando at gmail.com. Double D Machando at gmail.com. Okay, great. And of course, you can always reach us on Twitter at HeartMindHealer. Um, and at alashe.net, you know, all that's down below. You can always click on the links and get to that. Um, and remember to subscribe so that you can always keep up with our new episodes and what we got going on. We're always trying to bring some new, fresh content and information to you about um, mental health as it applies to black folk across the diaspora. In closing, I want to remind you to always be a critical thinker as it relates to your mental health and well-being. We always want to inspire you to consciously question your choices to ensure that you are doing those things that bring you happiness and fulfillment. Please don't forget to subscribe to our channel and share the information with others who might benefit. Connect with us on Twitter at HeartMindHealer and visit our Facebook and Instagram pages at Alashe Center, A-L-A-S-E Center. Our website is Alashe.net. A-L-A-S-E dot net. And feel free to contact us for any consultations or questions you might have. Things that I might be missing, running too fast.